Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked on Seminoles. I'm your host, Max, right there. We've got Drake, and today is hump day. We are almost at the weekend. It's crazy to think that, gosh, it feels like we were just starting football season, and now we are headed into week 10. But we got a great show for y'all tonight. We're going to finally put Clemson to bed. I know it was the big game. I know we all want to talk about it forever and ever but we're going to put it to bed. We're going to be done with it, and we're going to move on to focusing on NC State. Then we're going to talk about the college football playoff rankings that dropped tonight, tomorrow, or yesterday as you're listening to this, unless you're on YouTube watching the live premiere, which, folks, it's a great way to get locked on Seminoles early. All that and more in just a second. Drizzy, roll the video for the people. Locked on Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Cool. So here we are, man, headed into week 10 where, well, there's football tonight. Uh, Tuesday night action is going on. There's fun belt football during the week. It is a degenerate gambler's paradise and a college football fan's paradise, but my life's in boxes. I'm getting ready to move up to, well, I call it Atlanta. I guess the people there call it Mayetta, Marietta, but Drake, how are you, buddy? How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. You know, just here, style and profile and chilling. I do have the Eastern Michigan Toledo game on as we speak. And also, uh, I'm doing a little better than you because you are frozen right now, my guy. Uh, so how's everything over there? Well... It's it's like Elsa and Anna, dude, frozen all day. Folks, if it's your first time coming here to us at Locked on Seminoles, welcome. If it's your 150th time, or if you're one of the 54,000 listeners that we just hit since April, welcome back. We like to talk about football. We're fans. We try to give you that perspective. We slip into our journalistic tendencies every now and then, but we go for raw, unfiltered emotions. So let's focus on what's tugging at the heartstrings. Drake. We got to put Clemson to bed, man. It's like, a, ah, man, it, you know, that game, like I said yesterday, it's one I'm not going to get over quickly. There's like a few games that just really stick in your heart that you just wish, like NC State 2012. I would give anything to change Ugh. the outcome of that game, even all these years later. And I think this game's going to be one of those, but it doesn't mean it was a total failure. I'd like to start with you, though. What are your final thoughts as we proceed through this wake of Clemson? I agree that it wasn't a complete abject failure. I don't think it was a failure in any sense of the word other than we maybe failed to capitalize on probably the worst Clemson team since maybe 2009, 2010, and Dabo's first or second year. More my, I think, sentiment is that I was extremely frustrated that we we had this golden opportunity to actually beat a, a team that we will I can agree with you was more athletic than we are, has better personnel than we do, but I keep saying on Twitter that, you know, we need better players. We need better players. I'm like, I mean, we do. But I think for that game on Saturday that we watched, we could have won that game close or maybe, you know, by a few, uh, maybe a score with the personnel that we had. And it's just, you know, there's so many other factors into it, whether it be the poor officiating ACC, you need to really, really, really fix that up. And also maybe some questionable decision making with the defense. Like primarily I was in the camp that we gave DJ Uwongalele way too much deference when he... Only honestly hasn't heard earned anything since maybe being the star QB one when he wasn't even QB one yet. But yep. to me, it's just more frustration at the end of the day. But I see the team moving positive and going forward. 
and just, you know, I'm sick and tired of moral victories, but maybe that's something we need to all accept as a fan base as we're building a foundation for not just this year, but maybe five years from now. Here's the thing, folks. I, I love our fan base because y'all are a bunch of extremists. You're lunatics, you're crazy people, and you don't really understand nuance. So that's why we come in, we try to give you a little bit and see if maybe we can help you out. But I, I'm with you. I was, I was angry. I was mad about the Clemson loss because, to your point, Drake, we had a chance to win it. But then I had to realize, like, there's an alternate universe here where we let a Clemson team who hasn't scored 20 points all year score 35 in the first half. And we let that team run. I mean, it just happened this year. We let a Louisville team who everyone said was terrible take us to the cleaners in the first half. So it's not that that couldn't have happened with Clemson. It's that it didn't happen. So now we are acting like it's impossible. And if you think it was impossible for them to have beaten us by 50, well, then that in and of itself is progress. Because the past five years, they've proven they can beat us by 50 or more, depending on how much they want to beat us by. And this year, you didn't see the Herb Streets running in for touchdowns. You didn't see Dabo's kid throwing. You, you didn't see any of that. You saw starting lineups on the field the entire time in a game that really came down to the last series. Drake, I want to touch on what you said about moral victories because I don't think anyone on this pod, and I don't think you're saying we have, has declared a moral victory. I, I don't think there's such no. a thing anymore as moral victories, but there can be recognition of progress. Is the only time you ever improved at anything when you won or when you did it perfectly? Absolutely not. You improve through failure the same way you improve through success. And I think as a fan base coming off of this game, we have to be so careful not to keep moving the goalposts to look at, Hey, we wanted to get competitive with Clemson and we just did it, but also not keep the mound at 40 feet. And what I mean by that is, you know, when you start little league, you're, you're pitching at 40 feet. Well, eventually your dad puts you on the big field where you're at 60 and eventually you go to the high school field. And eventually you got to go to the wooden bat league if you want to make it to the majors. So we have to find that balance of like, don't be unrealistic, but also do let expectations kind of move along as this team progresses. And you made this point in pre-production. You've seen this team be great. Everyone listening to this has seen this team do really good things. Last year, we would see one or two good plays at a time. One or two great Jordan Travis runs at a time. This year, we've seen entire games of great play. The UNC game, obviously. So now it's like, can we see a whole season of it? And we'll get there, I think. I think Norvell and some of company, some of the co, are the guys to do it. But we got to be patient. And the reality is we lost on Saturday, and it sucks. Not but, yet. I mean, it, it does suck, but I mean... I'm not saying like what you said, you know, recognition of progress or seeing how we're actually growing. To me, that's not, if you quantify that and actually, you know, discuss that and you notice that, that to me is not signifying a moral victory at all whatsoever. Right. That's just, you know, being, that's more being cognizant of, you know, what's actually occurring. To me, being the moral victory crowd, you'll see, you know, on Twitter or whether or not, you know, I, like as Max said, you know, we love all of y'all, but some of y'all, some of y'all be wild in my DMs, wild in my mentions all the time, regardless of how we play, whether we win or lose. It's just this crowd saying, you know, oh, you know, we did our best. Or, you know, we, you know, we we held the Clemson you know, down to the wire. And you know what? That's all fine and dandy for some folks. For me personally, I played competitively for a long, long time. It's just something more in me that I can stand for that. And another thing, too, I will say to your point from yesterday, like I do agree while I am proud of these players for playing very, very hard, 
that excuse is going to go by the wayside very, very quickly, primarily because eventually you need to get, it's not get rid of that mentality. You should always play hard, but that should be the bare minimum that shouldn't even be over striving for. I do agree that we should know it's much better that we got punched in the mouth against Clemson in Death Valley, and we did play very well, but very hard. However, as the season close, comes to a close, I need to I need to not only look at that as be the one sort of, you know, finite, what's the word? Indicator mm. of, of Indicate. Thank you. progress. I'm with you. And yeah, last you. thing I'll thank say before we, before we move on to the NC State preview, when I say they played hard, I'm always going to reward that in my mind. But it's like one point of reward where it's losing a 600 points of demerits. So I'm not saying it, it negates the loss. It just, look, we played hard and we lost. Like, I think against Oregon, even in 2014, the game got out of hand, but we played hard and we just got beat by what was frankly a better college football team top to bottom at the time. So I think that's more how I meant it. I totally see. You know, I yeah, brought this I, up. I, I, I get what you're saying. Just like yeah, no, I'm other glad you brought it up. A little more to a different sort of stand. I totally agree. And folks, that's so yeah, when I say that, like, hey, we played hard and we lost, I'm not saying, oh, so I don't care or, oh, I don't No, I, they should have won that game. They had every opportunity and they made some stupid mistakes but I'm hoping that it stings enough that next time they won't make those mistakes. Now, I don't know what you're eating for breakfast right now, but I'm going to try to save you from being like our players and making the same mistakes and, you know, failing because of them. And if you didn't get McDonald's breakfast, you're missing out. I am one of the strongest proponents of McDonald's breakfast there is. I mean, I, no joke, there was a time during the pandemic where the only reason I got to leave my house was in the morning to get McDonald's breakfast and it stuck I'm a proud four to five times a week McDonald's guy. I eat it with my daughter when we need to grab a happy meal because we've had a busy day. I eat it by myself when I need a little, you know, I know it's going to be a rough morning. Every road trip starts with an Egg McMuffin. Guys, I hope that you have the same feelings about McDonald's that I do. But if you don't, well, go down there and make some memories and create these feelings because McDonald's is so much more than just a fast food joint. Y'all know that. It's great food. It's great atmosphere for the kids. The toys are always A+. And they've even really taken this McCafe thing seriously. They've now got Wi-Fi everywhere across McDonald's. They keep those places spotless. Kids are driving you nuts on a road trip. Hop on the Wi-Fi, do a little bit of work at McDonald's while they run around the playground. Guys, whatever you need in your belly, McDonald's has something for you. You need healthy, they got a salad. You need a, something tasty and delicious, they got McFlurries and fries. If you need something well-balanced, well, psh, Get a Big Mac meal, because that's what I had for lunch today. So head to your local McDonald's, refuel, reconnect. And guys, if you need something for your next Locked On Seminoles watch party, well, get the 60-count nugget, and maybe even share some with your friends. I'm loving it. Hope you are, too. And then once you're all fueled up, well, you can uh, you can make some good decisions about what's going to happen in the upcoming games. You can go to Prize Picks, the app right there on your phone, because I know you've downloaded it. You've heard me talk about it a dozen times. And if you haven't, guys, Apple App Store, Google Play Store, download Prize Picks. It's a new spin on Daily Fantasy. You're basically picking players, and then you're picking props for those players. But guys, Prize Picks is where it's at. It's just such a fun thing to have on the side. Whether you're retired from actual gambling like me, or you're like Drake and Danny, and you've got action flying left and right, this is the perfect sidecar to all of your football watching. Prize Picks in the App Store. Get it now. Create your account. Although you probably already have one, use the promo code locked on and you get your $100 deposit, the first deposit matched 100%, meaning put in 100, get 100. Guys, it's only going to up your winnings. Sign up now, 
promo code locked on. Thank me later. Now, Drake, I know for Locked On ACC, where y'all can catch Drizzy on Friday, you help cover NC State. Is their defense as elite as Clemson's? Or do you think that we may be able to create some mismatches that we couldn't last weekend? Because I know they're like 22nd in FPI as a total team, so they're not bad. And they beat Clemson. No, they're not bad. I mean, they're actually a pretty... To me, they're a much more well-rounded team than Clemson, where Clemson you had a very elite borderline, like top five defense, where the probably a bottom 10 offense. NC State probably has a maybe a top 40 defense with maybe a, in my personal opinion, I, I know advanced metrics has them a little worse. I think that they were probably a top 30 offense, primarily led by, you know, a Devin Leary at quarterback, Donovan Knight, and a running back, and also the the future president of the uh, the, Glee, the Glee Club, Thayer Thomas, the wide receiver that burned us for like, what, 180 yards last year. Overall, to me, this this NC State team is is quite honestly much better than Clemson. I mean, they beat them on earlier in the year. This, to me, is probably the hardest game actually probably remaining on our schedule as a whole, and that includes Florida. I, I agree, and I said two weeks ago this was the one I thought we were most likely to lose, and I want to put it in context for folks. If you go to Football Outsiders and you check out uh, the FEI efficiency rankings that they do, this is an opponent-adjusted ranking metric. So, again, it accounts for strength of schedule, things like that, garbage time, filters that out. Clemson's seventh in defense. NC State's 31st. Now, there's 130 FBS teams. So what is 31st, Drake? That still puts them in the top three, six, nine, twelve. Top still quarter, puts them right? in the top 25%. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we're right here at 39th, though. So we're a lot more evenly matched. But NC State, Drake, what do they do well? I mean, what you know, we know Devin Leary's name, but can you give us some more of a breakdown on him? Like, what have you seen from him this year? Where are his strengths and where are his weaknesses? If we're going to keep it, keep it simple, stupid, the kid just does not up at all. I think he's probably one of the few quarterbacks, I think, in the past few years that I think he has like 21 TDs and maybe two interceptions. Devin Leary, he he's what we want Jordan Travis to be. A lot more accurate. He's not as mobile. He can extend the play with his feet. He actually is able to throw those nice little corner routes to the pylon in the end zone that you know only his receivers can catch. And yep. he simply does not mess up. Like, to me, that's the more core that he will never lose you a game, period, at all whatsoever. To me, he's the perfect game manager, but he's able to excel basket. He To me, he's a, I think, the best comp for those of you that followed football back in the day. Utah, Alex Smith is probably, to me, what you would see with Devin Leary this coming Saturday. He is probably the most underrated quarterback in the ACC and probably the most underrated quarterback actually in the entire country. Do you think it's mostly him by himself do you think that the team schemes him up really well do you think it's a combination of both like I guess I guess what I'm getting at is if our defense can knock them out of how they usually play like we did with NC State will we see kind of what happened to um I almost said Sam Hartman what happened to Sam Howell and see him kind of like go into panic mode or can he beat you with a lot of different looks I think he can. I think he can beat you with a lot of different looks, but I do want. I do. I will give a little bit of credence to Dave Dorn, their head coach. I think he's probably been the probably the best head coach actually in this conference outside Dave Clawson, primarily because he does give you those unique looks, whether it be you know a bunch of out routes, a lot of ins and outs, or you know scheming up you know Donovan Knight out of the backfield, or using you know slot receivers like a Thayer Thomas or a Mecca Mezzi. To me, a lot of it is what he schemed up. But like I said before, like you can give Devin Leary, I think, any playbook or any look on defense, he'll find a way to probably capitalize on one mistake, mainly because he is so patient in the pocket or he'll extend the play. 
set speed again, and look for the next best option. He will never probably, you won't see him sacked very much this coming Saturday, even though we do have probably the best defensive line in the conference outside Clemson. I think seeing our offense going to the other side of it, one one thing I'm really looking at here is when I look at NC State's ranking in defensive busted drives, that is drives where um, that's the percentage of opponents' offensive drives that gain zero or negative yards. So how often do they just completely shut you down? They're 55 in that, right? So they're right in that top third of being able to get you off the field quickly. And I think we saw against Clemson that when this team gets pushed off the field quickly and they're not really able to get into a rhythm and they have to rely on shot plays, it's not really a great winning formula. Now, that's kind of all we do well right now, but we're going to have to be able to establish the run. And we talked about against Clemson how their athletes were superior to ours. And I talked about this yesterday where – when we run those zone reads, we're relying on either a block or a bite. And what I mean is the defense is defending it, whether it's a zone run defense or a man run defense, it's kind of irrelevant because there's going to be someone who's accounting for one area or one person, be it the running back or the quarterback. There'll be another guy who's accounting for one area where the running back or quarterback is going to run or the person, the running back or the quarterback. And one of those guys either has to get blocked by an offensive lineman and moved out of the way, which opens up a running lane for the corresponding guy on offense, the running back or the quarterback. And the quarterback's job is to see, okay, which guy, you know, whose lane is that in and either take off or hand it off. Or one of those defenders has to make a bad decision and he's supposed to cover this area, but he moves to this area because he bites on the play fake or He's supposed to cover the running back and he decides now I'm going to go for glory and chases the quarterback and that allows that play to develop. But if you don't get a bite from them making a bad decision or you don't block one of them and open a lane, then there's nothing you can do. You're just hoping that four yards in the backfield, your quarterback or running back can make the guy miss and it's going to be probably a negative play. At best, you might get a yard or two and that's not something you can scheme up. That's just something that has to happen the offensive line has to step up and it has to open those holes and to piggyback on that a little bit um i know one of the big storylines there just coming to the game is also it's going to be a homecoming for several interstate players uh one of them being cyrus fagan he's he's not playing he's out due to an injury but he was a top five i know some of you like pff or fei or sp plus he was a top five pff graded player and also Corey Durden is probably the leader the anchor of that defensive line now being fully healthy if you see on Instagram, you see on Twitter, he's he's leaned out of it. He looks a lot more athletic. And he is probably, I think he's in the running for ACC Defensive Player of the Year, being an interior lineman. That's something that we saw the first two years he was here. Last year, obviously, due to injury and other concerns, like he didn't that didn't come to fruition. But this defensive line for NC State is no joke. It's going to be extremely aggressive. And luckily, we do have Jordan Travis there to be mobile, you know, to evade the pocket. But it's going to be very interesting to see how much time our offensive line actually does give Jordan Travis to be in the pocket. Yeah, so what what are your, going to be your key performance indicators after the game? Once win or loss, the emotions have settled. What are you going to look back on? Hey, did we do this to consider the game a success or a failure? I need to see the same kind of resolve from our defense that we had against Clemson. I know I ragged on, ragged on them a bit for basically saying they were very unaggressive when it came to attacking DJ or whether it be Will Shipley or Ajuas or Joseph Ngata, the wide receivers for Clemson. I need to see this defense actually cover up there Thomas unlike they did last year for some reason that we thought this, the one white dude in the slot was you know perfectly fine for him to run 180 yards 
But with Donovan, like if we're able to bottle up Donovan Knight as we've been bottling up every other team's running back up until Will Shipley, that to me is something I need to see. And to be quite honest with you, I would like to see maybe at least least three quarterback hurries, maybe a sack and a half, maybe two sacks. Hey, I'll tell you what, man. Those are great goals. And if we're going to do those, we have to be well fed. So I hope our team's eating Built Bars. And folks, if you are, good. If you're not, well, get on it. Guys, Built Bar, it's like a protein bar when it comes to all the stuff on the label. But it's a candy bar when it comes to taste. They're delicious. They're nutritious. And when you use promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com, you can get 15% off your order. It's the only bar I trust on the course now when I'm out there playing golf. I've got to have my Built Bars. No more Snickers for me. I crush them in the morning. I crush them in the evening. Crush them on the golf course. Nothing really rhymes with golf course. I was going a little... Hey guys, I, I read a lot of children's books to my daughter, so I was trying to Dr. Seuss it. But you get the point. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15. They have a ton of flavors. Get a variety pack. Get some bites. Do your thing. I'm not going to tell you how to live your life as long as that life involves buying built bars buy them now thank me later and drizzy this is a two-parter because once you're making good decisions like last time you went to prize picks today it's time to go to the real lines guys the real action no more of uh, drake what did you call it the diet coke of betting is the daily fantasy but this is the real stuff i We're never said that online dot age yeah well it was a funny joke and i didn't want to laugh at my own joke so thanks for that. <laughs> uh <laughs> so i want to do the bet online dot ag line of the day we are going to some wednesday night maction we've got central michigan we've got western michigan western is a 10 point favorite the over under is 66 points i'm going to give you a cop out and let you take either one you can take over under at 66 you can take one of the teams on the 10 point spread western versus central the second biggest rivalry in michigan the state of michigan i suppose who are we taking, bud? I'm taking Western Michigan minus 10 solely for the fact that they they boned me very hard when they played Pitt earlier on in the year and covered a, what a 20-point spread. Western Michigan actually is probably sneakily. They're a decent team. They're okay, but Central Michigan is just not a good team. Jim McElwain, I think he's found a better home there, but give me Western Michigan minus 10. I think that's a, I'm going to be riding with the Broncos. I dig that. I dig that. So, folks, go to betonline.ag, make your account, and you can hop in on these lines of the day. Or you can hop on the Saturday show, maybe an early Friday premiere this week. Who knows? Subscribe to YouTube to find out. And listen to Danny and Drake's picks, betonline.ag, promo code locked on. All right, buddy. Here we are. It's like we blinked. It's like... We're so excited for the season. All these things are happening. You make it week to week. And before you know it, college football playoff rankings are coming out. Now, folks, this is Locked On Seminoles. This is your favorite daily podcast and now video cast on the Florida State Seminoles. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you give us some reviews. Make sure you share it with a friend. And if you're on YouTube, comment something down below. Just say, hey, we like talking to you. But today we're going to go national because sometimes the boys go global. I kind of want to talk about these top 25 rankings, Drake. Oh, man. Um, first of all, clearly ESPN's advertisers told them, hey, stop doing that thing where you, you start the top of the show with the top four, all right? You got to go back to front here. And this is what I find interesting about these rankings is, guys, college football, not guys. You, look, you don't have to agree with me on this, folks. If it's, if it's your first time, I'm opinionated. I'm sorry, but 
This isn't an adversarial thing. I, I do want to note though, like every week in college football is a playoff almost. Like that's what makes this sport great. So you look at a lot of these matchups and Georgia Alabama is going to sort itself out. I think I don't personally believe in even numbered matchups. I think if Alabama beats Georgia, that's it. Sorry. I don't think because then it diminishes the win, right? In my opinion. I think if Georgia beats Alabama, well, they're two losses. They're completely out. Michigan State, Ohio State, they're going to play each other. That's going to take care of itself. Uh, Oregon, Ohio State, that's a toughie because Oregon beat Ohio State, but they lost to Stanford. And Ohio State's only loss is to a team that beat Ohio State. So <laughs> you got to think like, no, but I'm, I'm serious, right? Like that is like. Ohio State losing to Oregon is as weird as that logic sounds is a much better loss than Oregon losing to Stanford. So, so there is an argument to be made there because it was week three. Yeah, that's where actually that goes to my point where I to me losses somewhat matter, but it depends on when the loss actually occurred. There was a reason why I was very heavy on us actually most likely beating Notre Dame week one. The week team in week one is nowhere near the team you, you play right. at the end of the year. So to me, the Oregon loss in the first was it second wasn't the second week or the third week something like that. It was and week Ohio, three, I believe. Yeah, week three. And Ohio State's had a first year QB who has since then has been lights out and would be a Heisman candidate if he hadn't lost to Oregon. That to me is also why I don't have Alabama actually at number two. Primarily lost to a Texas A&M team who was down a QB further down in the year. So to me, if they play again, I don't see Alabama beating Texas A&M the second time around. So to me, it depends on when the loss actually occurs. Like to me, my top four totally will probably be Georgia, Michigan State, Ohio State, uh, and maybe Oregon for a rematch in the first week. Yeah, I just again, I'm I'm still with the even numbers thing. Even though I, I agree with you, it's not the same team. I just don't think you put them both in because, I, and you know, I'm a believer in the most deserving because I said on Twitter. Yeah you don't just take an IQ test to name the valedictorian. It matters. Like you have to go out there and play your best football week in and week out. Now that may sound like I'm, I'm vouching for Oregon, but to the contrary, Ohio state played their best football week in and week out. They lost to Oregon. One thing in that game, I think that is easy to forget is Ohio state burned their, was it their second drive by getting 90 yards down to the goal line and fumbling. And they, they burned like six minutes o'clock. They end up losing a one score game. But then if they're perfect for the rest of the season and win the second hardest conference in college football, that's a better recovery from that, or let's say a better follow-up from that game than Oregon losing to Stanford and not barely. looking super impressive. And barely beating UCLA. Right. Barely Agreed. beating like that Oregon to me just isn't so, a good team for that. So So for me, like if I'm looking at this and I'm I'm projecting to the end of the season, I've got number one is winner of Georgia, Alabama. Okay, so so again, I know I'm going to sort of put six or seven teams in here, but it's important. So if I, again, making the playoff, number one is winner of Georgia-Alabama. Number two is going to be the winner of the Big Ten, assuming it's Michigan State or Ohio State. For me, number three, I'm probably going to put in, gosh, it hurts me to say this, I, I'm probably going to have to start looking towards an Oregon because going back on what I just said they're if they're the Pac-12 champ and they're undefeated especially if it's Michigan State at two like you're gonna have to put Oregon in there Ohio State will have two losses in that now if it's Ohio State I get a little more debating and then number four 
I think if Wake Forest runs the table, you put them in. I think that yep. if Wake Forest doesn't, you probably look to put in Oklahoma if they're a one-loss Big 12 champion. And I think if they lose again and you've got a one-loss Wake Forest or more, you've got a two or more-loss Oklahoma, you're probably going to have to put undefeated Cincinnati in. Because I do think, while they haven't been impressive, you can't leave them out in favor of a two-loss team. And I, I also don't think you can leave them out in favor of two teams that literally just played the week before, right? The week before, of course, you come out with these rankings, not before the game, which would be the case with Georgia, Alabama. Yeah, this is why I've been like kind of advocating the 12-team playoff where basically, to me, conference champions should be sent over there with probably a lot, like two, probably one or two, maybe group of five bids, and then the several out-large bids for what we see for maybe not second place for the conference championship because, you know, as we know, the SEC least is not a good conference at all whatsoever. But that to me is kind of like sells that argument with that. And then with the miss, with the even number thing, I totally get what you're saying. Is just Georgia has dominated every single game up until this point. And if they lose like a, a one point game or even like a, a single score game to Alabama, that's a game you have to replay like again simply because of how they have played over across the year too. Like that's more my thing because I get what you're saying. I'm a big boxing guy. I love the trilogy fights. That's a I'm a I paid for Devon, uh, Wilder versus uh, Fury the other day. Trust me, folks. I'm a big, big uh, pugilistic arts fan. But that, to me, is kind of like where, I guess, my thing is with that. But I get what you're saying. I do think if Georgia's the one that loses, I will concede there is a stronger argument to send both. I think if Alabama loses, hey, you shouldn't have lost to Jimbo Fisher. Sorry, yep, you're out. Agreed. I, I, I'm not going to play this game. Because here's the thing. There's not a single person on this planet that gets paid to do this, commentate for a living, there's not a single computer that has had thousands and thousands, maybe tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars poured into its development over its life that can accurately pick games at better than like a 55% clip. And maybe not against the spread. Some can get closer to 60. My point is when they say, oh, well, we can just eye test and, and say this is the best. Every single eye test by every single person, by every single computer fails repeatedly and regularly. So to me, you don't get to say, oh, Bama lost twice, but the eye test tells me they're the second best team in the country, so I'm sticking them in. And that's just my position. That's where I'm going to sit with it. But we've taken 40 minutes of the folks' time. Hey, seriously, y'all, we really appreciate you making us your first listen every day. Hope you made it this far. I know this was a long one, but we had to put Clemson to bed. We had to talk about bracketing. We had to talk about NC State. And we had to indulge ourselves and talk about the college football playoff rankings a little bit. I'm Max, he's Drake, and this was Locked On Seminoles. Take care, everybody. Not everyone, as Max was trying to say the other day, but just take care, everybody.